Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up, and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. Now, if you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Now today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Leslie Klutz. Leslie is a professional golfer from Antwerp, Belgium. She went to college at UNC Chapel Hill, where she graduated in 2017, majoring in business administration. Leslie is currently playing her fourth season on the LPGA Symmetric Tour. And something also that's super cool about Leslie is she speaks five languages and she enjoys piano and photography when she is off the course. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you here. I've been looking forward to chatting with you as you are the first professional golfer that I've had on the show. So I'm really excited to have you share your perspectives. Yeah, that's awesome. So before we talk about golf, five languages, that's I can speak a couple of languages. So five is pretty impressive. Tell us what are the five languages that you can speak? So in Belgium, we got three uh, national languages. So in the north, we speak Flemish, which is basically the same as Dutch. So that's what I speak at home. And then we have French and German. So you have that in school as well for several years. And then English. And then my mom is Chinese. Uh, so in college, I decided to take Chinese class for three years. So I'm conversational in Chinese as well. Okay. And Mandarin or Cantonese? Mandarin. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Something that you don't know about me. I know we've talked before about us both having Asian background. So my mom is Filipino, but there is a little bit of Chinese too. So on the Mandarin side, but uh, I do not speak it. I don't really know any words, so I'm not conversational (laughs) in it at all. So let's talk about golf. Tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get into golf? I started playing because of my dad. My dad played golf with his buddies in his 20s. And then when I was born, uh, my parents ran a business together. So he got really hectic. uh, So he kind of put golf on the side. And then when I was eight years old, we went on a family vacation in Portugal and we were staying at this uh, resort type places and they had a kids club. So every day they had an activity. And one of the days was a two hour golf clinic. Uh, So my parents asked me if I wanted to do it. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. I show up and I'm the only one there. So I basically got a two hour private lesson for my first golfing experience uh, the instructor didn't speak English or anything like that. So it was a lot of hand motions and just showing me what to do. Uh, and I still have pictures from it because my parents were in the bushes hiding and trying to take up pictures. So that was my first golfing experience. So that was when I was eight. And then two years later, um, when I was 10, my dad decided to play more. So he picked up his membership again and then made me and my mom a member as well. Uh, so my mom and I, we started together like playing seriously. Yeah. So it was a family activity to start out with on the weekends, but that didn't last very long. Um, My dad would continuously try to tell me what to do. And at some point I was like, dad, I hit it better than you. Why are you telling me what to do? Like, no, let's just enjoy playing. Uh, But yeah, it it didn't quite work like that, but that's okay. We, We all still play. My mom really enjoys it. Yeah. So it started out as a family activity. Okay. And talk to us about that first season on Symmetra Tour. What was that like for you? Were there any eye-opening experiences as part of that? 
Yeah, so I started to play locally, tournaments at the club in the weekend. Uh, there were also junior classes, so that's how I really got started. And it's always, you know, during the junior classes, it's both boys and girls. And if you start being the boys, that's always nice for a girl, you know, get that little self-confidence going. And then one of the members told, told my parents about local junior events in Belgium. So I started playing that. Uh, and then I just kept going on that route until I got picked up into the Belgian national team to play tournaments all, all over Europe. So you compete against other girls your age from other countries. So that was pretty cool. That was a really good experience getting to play, you know, against other girls from your age that, that are trying to do it pretty well. So I played, played in the national team for several years and then got recruited to come to play college golf. Uh, so I, I ended up picking UNC Chapel Hill because of the undergrad business school was really good. At the time I got recruited, both the golf team and business school was in the top 10. So that was a pretty easy choice. Uh, that was a no-brainer. And then, so I played four years in Chapel Hill, and then I decided my junior year over the summer that I was going to sign up for qualifying school. So qualifying school is this uh, separate process. It's basically a couple tournaments that will decide your status on tour, like whether you get status or not. Uh, it's basically like three tournaments and there are different stages and there are cuts and it's it's uh, it's quite a process. So I played that in the fall of my senior year so that when I graduated in June or May or June that I could start playing right away after uh, graduation rather than wait that summer and then play Q school the fall after. Um, so I got a little bit of a head start. Most players decide to graduate and then play the summer as an amateur and then get started, but I just wanted to jump in, jump in right away. Yeah, so I've been playing on Symmetra Tour ever since. And how did you keep up with it and keep your energy level as high as you could to continue to perform? I had everything planned out. I had all my travels, where I'm going to stay. I had pretty much everything planned out because I was very OCD about it. The only thing I did not really think about very much was where I was going to live because I was traveling so much that I didn't feel the need for the two or three weeks off that I got to rent out a place. So that was interesting. I ended up staying with uh, one of my old professors and his family. They had a they had a guest room and I was able to stay there for my weeks off and come back to Chapel Hill. So I was really good. But then by the end of the summer, my mom called and she's like, you got to get a place. I don't care what it costs. Like, just get a place. Yeah, so I feel better. And I'm like, okay, that's, that sounds good. So I ended up getting a place, and I felt this huge weight just dropping uh, the first night I got to sleep there. Yeah, something I really underestimated was a place to come back to. Because uh, if you just keep going, 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 that really runs you down. It was a lot of golf my first season out. Uh, you know, in college, you play maybe four to six tournaments a semester. But on tour, you, pl you play like eight weeks in a row. That's pretty, pretty standard. That was a big difference. Yeah, just managing your energy and yeah, just keep having fun playing golf. Yeah. Yeah. So that has been uh, the main learning curve, I feel like over the past couple of years. I mean, I, I still I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't have all the answers, but I feel like I'm getting better at it. 
Um, also knowing, you know, how to divide your practice, how you want to spend your time, what's effective, what's totally not effective, and it's just a time killer. Yeah. And then also off the course, how you spend your time as well, like how to rest. Gotcha. And, you know, the podcast focuses on how sports helps us to be successful beyond the game, beyond the course in life. And so as an athlete, how how has being an athlete made you a better person, a more successful person? Can you share with us, let's say, three specific things or lessons? Yeah. So in college, I was really focused on my school and golfing. Like I came in freshman year and that's all I was thinking about. I had to be ready after four years to play on tour. And that was really good. Like I had pretty good grades. I got into the business school. Like I checked off all the boxes I wanted in college. So that was a really great mindset there. But then it's not sustainable. Like you got to keep having fun. And I felt I felt in college, I wanted to be a really good teammate. And that brought me a lot of joy and also just seeing joy in my teammates and helping them. Um, So I felt like that was really helpful to me and also like do well in college as well uh, with being a good teammate rather than just focusing on you. Let's see other things. I think it's also important to involve other people in your journey because it's such a golf is such a individual sport. But for example, on tour, I stay with host families. I try to keep in touch with them and it's, it's nice you know, it's my fourth season, so I've stayed with some families for, you know, three years in a row, and that's really cool. Also on tour, I feel like kind of knowing who you can trust or not, because it's such a competitive environment, uh, and it's just you. You don't have teammates anymore, but you kind of pick your own teammates. Uh, so that that has been really helpful as well. So it's important to know who can you count on, who can you trust, who should you have in your inner circle that can really help you to continue to do what you want to do to be successful. Yeah. So share with us, uh, when you're on the golf course and you're in a golf tournament, how do you stay mentally focused? Um, mentally focused? Well, you. the main key is your routine, right? Whatever you do, like when you wake up, you probably will have a better day if you have your morning routine than if you just wake up and get out the door as fast as possible. Unless if that's your routine, obviously. Uh, but in golf... You really want to focus on your pre-shot routine. That's what I always go to, you know, when I'm warming up, when I'm maybe not playing so well. That's the first thing I check. Like, am I doing everything that I usually do in my pre-shot routine? Am I as focused as I usually am during my pre-shot routine? Yeah, so that kind of goes hand in hand with, like, focus and doing the physical routine. Like, you can do it physically, but if you're not there mentally, you're not doing your routine. So that's kind of kind of discipline yourself on that. Yeah, I think it's important to to be fully present in what you're doing, right? You can't just be going through the motions. You've got to be mentally in the game, too. Right, right. Exactly. So share with us, what is your morning routine? Besides the the, the pre-shot, what else do you do? Yeah, so I wake up and I, since this quarantine, I have been doing like 10 to 20 minutes of meditation every day and has been really helpful. I was really big into it. In college, I even joined a student club, the Carolina Meditation Club, and I ended up being a treasurer uh, my senior year. Uh, so I was pretty involved with that club, and I've learned a lot. But then as I started playing and traveling, I just it just kind of got lost in my routine. 
because I, yeah, I didn't have that same environment. I didn't have my little corner where I sat every morning. So it was, it was more difficult to keep up and it just kind of, just kind of lost track of it. So, but I've been picking that up again. So I wake up, I do my meditation, I eat, have a cup of coffee, and then I usually get going. You know, if my tea time is a little later or, you know, if my day starts a little later, then I tend to uh, read a little bit. Okay. And you, you mentioned being in the coronavirus environment. So talk to us, how has that changed things that you're on the Symmetra tour? How has that changed just the things that the, the LPGA is doing, as well as just how you've had to shift during the last couple months? Yeah. So when this all started, I was getting ready to go to Arizona. Uh, the day before I was about to leave on a flight, they canceled the whole thing. And then it just went week by week for a couple of weeks. Uh, so you were always getting ready for next week, all the travels, and then it would get canceled last minute. So it was a little chaotic and mentally exhausting because every week you're like trying to get ready for next week, but then it doesn't happen. Uh, so that was that was interesting. Uh, but now we have a restart date, which is July 20th in Battle Creek, Michigan. So that's where uh, we will restart. We've been having like biweekly calls uh, with a couple players and then the staff. It's called the player advisory group. It's kind of like a little player group for, for the staff to get some feedback and back and forth. Uh, so that has been really interesting. I think the tournaments will be a lot different. Less volunteers, probably no spectators. Yeah, I mean, face masks. There will be a lot of time to practice so the, you know, the practice facilities don't get crowded. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that's all going to work. And I know you've got uh, nine more events this year. You played one last week. How was that one like? How was that different? Yeah, so last week I played in Colorado. It was a state open, so it wasn't part of the tour. But it was it was really good. It was very well run. And uh, usually they have live scoring every hole, uh, but usually there is a volunteer that goes with a group, either walking or riding in a cart and just being on the side, low key. Uh, they just record the score and then get it back to the live scoring people in the clubhouse. Uh-huh. So that's how it usually goes. But now, uh, because they want to minimize contacts as well. So there's this whole thing about the flag. Uh, and if you go to a local golf course right now, you don't have to reach in the cup to get your ball so you don't touch the cup or the flag. So last week in Colorado, they had volunteers on every single green. Uh, they were called greenside, greenside assistants. So they, if you would ask them, they can take out the flag so players don't need to touch it, just that one person. And then they also take your score at the same time. So it was it was pretty effective, and I could see that as a long-term solution, at least for this year and then you know, see how it goes next year with the whole uh, COVID situation. Interesting. So when you look at the great athletes in all of sports, it's not just their talent that makes them great. There's much more than just the talent that's important, but there's more to that. So in your mind, what do you think makes a really great athlete a great golfer? Yeah, having a really good team. I mean, I kind of go back and forth of it. They're always like the the one of a kinds, like, for example, Bubba Watson, who is pretty much self-made, like he figured out his own swing. But the majority of really good athletes, I feel like have a really good support team, coaches, friends, family. I think that's really important, friends and family. I think that's very undervalued or not really spoken or written about. 
and how that affects performance as well or how that athlete deals with outside circumstances off the course or off the court. Yeah, so having a really good team and I think for golf specifically, you know, golfers are kind of their own boss. Uh, you have to recruit your team. You can even interview coaches. And it's it's hard, I gotta say, because you don't know until you've tried a coach. Uh, you can ask for references. You can talk to other players. That's a good start. But you really don't know if it's going to work until you try it. And then it's another thing of, okay, how long do I try it for? Is this actually going to work? How do I know? Uh, so that's that's a tough thing to figure out as a player. Sure. Have you had an instance where you had to let a coach go because it just wasn't working out? Yeah, uh, well, two times. I was working with a coach back in Belgium. And then when I came to college, I tried to do a long distance thing my freshman year. Sometimes it would work, but most times it wouldn't really. And I felt really lost, didn't know what to work on. Uh, so I started working locally uh, with a coach locally. And then when I turned professional, started playing professional in Symmetra, I, uh, I changed coaches as well because I, I got injured and I felt like Long term, it just wasn't wasn't really going to work with that coach. Also, financially, it didn't make much sense. Uh, so the coach I'm with currently, Patrick, he teaches at the golf course I get to practice at. So that's a great, great setup. Been working with him for two years and I've made a lot of improvements. My injury has pretty much stayed at bay. So that's really good. I'm just excited to continue working and get back to playing. That's great. And you mentioned uh, making improvements. So in my Move the Ball book, I talk about how there are eight uh, eight elements that I think make an athlete uh, great versus good ones or mediocre ones. And I have this acronym called Mad Pride. And the I in Mad Pride stands for improvement focused. So share with us, what are things that you're doing to continually improve? What are you working on? So I, uh, I keep my stats on this platform called uh, My Game Forge been working with it recently. I had another program before, but it was way too complicated. I just got like analysis paralysis. So this one is a little better. And what I'm currently working on is hitting more greens and regulations, but not only that, like how many effective greens it has like different areas. So you can hit a green in regulation, but depending on the course, you know, they have different sizes of greens. For example, in Europe, they have much smaller greens. So in Europe, I might have 10 greens, but then here in the States, the greens are massive. So I might have 12 greens. So the stats, you know, say I'm hitting it better, but really I'm, I'm not, the green is just bigger, but that's, that's one area that I need to improve on, you know, compared to the field. Uh, and that's where I lose some shots. Yeah. Gotta make more birdies. Gotcha. Okay, thanks. I appreciate you sharing that. And you just reminded me when you said birdies, you have a podcast, too. So tell us a little bit about your podcast and the focus of it. Yeah, my old teammate, Maya Schechter, and I, we started a podcast called BirdieCast. Uh, we started it two years ago. We're on our third season. I've been playing on Symmetra Tour, and Maya, this last winter, got promoted to the LPGA Tour, which is the goal. Uh, so she made it to the LPGA uh, so this was supposed to be our first season. I mean, they're still playing, but it's just a little jumbled up. Uh, yeah, so we, we cover different topics about life on tour, talk with other players on Symmetra Tour and LPGA Tour about their experiences. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a nice outlet for players to share their story and their input on things. And it has been really fun. And tell people, where can they check out your podcast at? 
pretty much anywhere where you usually listen to podcasts. We're on Anchor, we're on Spotify, we're on, you know, iTunes podcast. Yeah, pretty much anywhere. If you type in BradyCast on Google, it will show up as well. Okay, great. And we'll be sure to put uh, some of the links in our show notes as well so people can check out the podcast. So something else I wanted to ask you about is share with us a really challenging moment in your golfing career and how you got through that. Because I think no matter whether we've played sports or not, all of us go through those moments where we have these moments of frustration or setbacks and we all have to deal with that. So share with us an example that you had to deal with something and how you overcame it. Yeah, it was actually right before I decided to play qualifying school during my junior year. I was having a really uh, tough time just mentally. My game was fine. Uh, I just had this existential crisis kind of, of what, why am I playing? What's the point of this? And that summer I went back home and, you know, I, I played tournaments with the national team over the summer and we had a new coach. So I tried to talk to her about it because she used to play on tour for 20 years, something like that. So I knew she was experienced and she really gave me a lot of confidence. Like she told me that the things she saw in me and in my game, like why she thinks that I could succeed in this. And that just really gave me a lot of confidence. And yeah, that summer I just started enjoying playing competitive golf again, uh, rather than seeing it as work. I don't know. It, it It's kind of weird. It's a, it's a fine line between work and play. Like, yes, you want to consider it as work. You want to take it seriously. But when you're doing it, you actually want to feel like it's play. And then uh, the week after I played in this other tournament, it was the European uh, Ladies Amateur Championships. So it, it's a big tournament in Europe for amateurs. I was playing with one of my friends from Sweden and she was going to play Q school. So we talked about that. And uh, she told me, like, why, why aren't you playing in it? And, you know, as a junior, I hadn't really thought about it. And I was having all these questions about do I want to play golf as a career or not? Uh, but, but by the end of the round, I called my dad. I was like, hey, like, what do you think of me playing Q school? And he said, I've been waiting on that. I'm like, okay. You know, this was a practice round, so before the tournament. And I ended up finishing second in that tournament, which was really good. And yeah, I just felt like the performance by itself kind of gave me a lot of confidence. And I felt like it was a sign of, yeah, I was meant to do this in a way. Great. And it's important to enjoy it too. So it's... Uh, I'm also enjoying it. That's great. I appreciate you sharing about my two-minute drill questions. Yes, I'm ready. All right. Uh, first one is, what is your favorite food? My favorite food is this Belgian dish. It's called Stoflis Mefriches which means it's a beef stew with fries and mayo. And the beef stew is made with a Belgian beer. Okay. Uh, how about what is your favorite movie? I've got two. One is Whiplash. It's about this drummer. Uh, and the other one is called The Founders. And it's about how the LPGA got started. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, and then how about what's your favorite professional sports team? Professional sports team... Uh, probably the North Carolina Courage team. They're the women's professional soccer team uh, locally. And then obviously the Belgian Red Devils, the men's national soccer team. Okay. How about what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? Uh, best advice I've gotten was to uh, to just be yourself. If you If you're exactly who you are, you won't have any regrets in whatever you do. I like that. How about let's flip it now. What's the best piece of advice that you would give someone? I read this somewhere a couple of years ago, and it was talking about uh, being nervous or anxious. 
And it said, if you are grateful, you cannot be nervous. Like it, it just X's each other out. Uh, so whenever I get nervous about something, I just try to be, get those grateful feelings going and it will just push out all the nervousness. Oh, that's an interesting, pr- I agree with it. I've not thought of it that way. That's a great perspective. Okay. Next question. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? I have this fantasy bar for whenever I'm done playing golf, I want to have a bar. It's just totally in my mind. Uh, But I already have a name, Leslie's. There you go. Yes. Yes. Is it going to be a modern bar, a sports bar? What What theme would you think it would be? I'm not quite sure. It would definitely be more of like a neighborhood bar, a lot of games, a lot of events. Uh, yeah, but it's an ongoing fantasy and some of my friends will text me ideas. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. It's good to uh, to plan for the future. So I'll look forward to seeing Leslie's at some point down the road and look forward to going to Leslie's as well. How about that? Sounds good. You'll get an invite. Don't worry. Thank you. Okay. My last question is, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? Definitely Black Widow because she's just really cool. Yeah. There you go. All right. Awesome. Now, as we wrap up today's show, uh, tell our listeners what's the best way to follow you and see what you're up to. It would probably be on Instagram at Leslie Klutz. So it's just my name. Also on Facebook and Twitter, but probably Instagram is the is the best way to follow me. And then for performance wise, you can just follow on symmetratour.com for live scoring events. Yeah. Awesome. We'll also put those links in the show notes too, so people can keep up with you. Leslie, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks for having me. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you on the next episode. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www. JenniferAGarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.